Good morning. Welcome to Soul City Church. Like Jeannie said, my name is Sean, and I'm our small groups pastor around here, and I'm very excited to get to be up here with you this morning. I'm grateful to Pastor Jeannie and to Pastor Jarrett for giving me this opportunity to get to be with you guys to talk a little bit about prayer this morning as we continue on in our spiritually practical series. Hopefully you've been able to join us for the last few weeks, but this entire series is about keeping it simple. We just want to keep it simple, and when it comes to faith, we have a way about us of making it way more complicated than it has to be. Sure, there are some complicated or even confusing things when it comes to faith, when it comes to God, and there is plenty of mystery that comes along with it too, but there are some things that are simpler than they seem, And we want to give you guys some practical tools about those areas so you can continue to grow in your relationship with God. We began this series, as Jeannie mentioned, looking at our spiritual gifts to see who God has uniquely created each one of us to be. That when we truly understand those gifts, we see the role that God wants us to play in his bigger story. Then last week, we looked at the Bible. If you were able to join us, Pastor Jarrett walked us through his impressive history with the Bible, um, singing about the B-I-B-L-E. I will not be singing today, just to clarify that, but he can do that. That's fine. That's his deal. Um, But what Jarrett showed us when it comes to reading the Bible, thank you, one of the greatest, one of the absolute greatest ways that we grow is when we go slow. That is a great way to read the Bible, and this week... This week, we are going to be talking about prayer. But before we get into the topic of prayer, I want to make sure that you know a little bit about me. There are some of you in the audience or watching online or maybe listening to a podcast. You might know me a little bit from my time here at Soul City, but I know that for many of you, you don't know my story other than seeing me come up here at the beginning of service every few weeks, or maybe you've sent me an angry email because you didn't get in the small group you wanted to. (laughs) Yes, that was my fault. I'm sorry. I intentionally did it to you. (laughs) No, I'm kidding. But I grew up just outside Chicago in the Oak Park River Forest area. Okay, yeah, we got got some people. We got some people. That's right. And so that means a couple things. First, I am a diehard Chicago sports fan. So I can admit that I absolutely cried when the Cubs won the World Series. I, I cried, tears of joy. I felt it. And the other thing I know is that Michael Jordan is the greatest basketball player of all time. Amen, right? I don't want to see any of you millennials talking LeBron this and LeBron that. Get some respect for history. Michael Jordan is the true GOAT, okay? After leaving Oak Park, I actually decided to live abroad for a few years. I don't know if you guys have heard of this country. It's called Texas. Yeah. And... It's this whole other place. It's way different from here. And I I lived there for a few years. And I learned a couple things uh, when I was in Texas. So the first thing um, that I learned is there are two major food groups, fried food and barbecue. If you cover both of those, that's a balanced diet. You've covered all your bases, fried food and barbecue. The other thing is I actually lived in Waco, Texas. You know what that means, right? Fixer-upper. Chip and Joanna Gaines, my best friends. Yes. Not best friends, really, but we've met, kind of. So um, that happened while I was in Texas. But most importantly, the absolute most important thing that happened when I was in Texas was I met the love of my life. Sweet Julia, if you know her, you know that she is the best of all time. Yes. 
I am so grateful for her and her support, and she is the best. But ultimately, Julia and I, we decided that we wanted to move back to Chicago together because we wanted to be a part of what God was doing here at Soul City Church. We wanted to be a part of this community and join in with the amazing work that God was already doing. So I've been doing that for a few years now, doing small groups and community-related. But this morning, this morning, I want to talk about prayer. And whether you are new to this whole faith thing, whether you've been following Jesus for 30 years, or maybe you don't care about faith at all and someone dragged you here with the promise of brunch, we all have questions and opinions about prayer. Hopefully you were able to share some of them just a few moments ago, but according to a recent study done by the Pew Research Center, 55% of Americans say that they pray daily. Daily, that's like, that's a big number. Another 16% say that they pray weekly and 6% say they pray monthly. Nearly 75% of Americans pray at least somewhat regularly. So the idea of prayer is pretty common here in America. But at the same time, we have a lot of confusion and questions about prayer. Because if we're honest, prayer can be a little weird, right, sometimes? Prayer's a little strange. Maybe you've heard someone pray in church or at a wedding and, and they're praying and you're like, why are you talking like that? People don't say thee and thou and thy. No one says those words. I don't know half the words that you're saying. Do I need to know these fancy words if I'm gonna talk to God? Is that how this works? Or maybe, maybe you've heard someone pray and they really like to call God Father, which is not a bad thing, that's fine, but they're like, Father, God, Father, that you would just move, Father, and Father, that, Father, you would show her, Father, she is wrong, Father. Just show her that, Father. And you're like, wait, do I have to say Father every two words? Is that the secret to make it work? Also, did she just throw that other girl under the bus <laughs> to God? Like, what? What is going on here? Or maybe, maybe you grew up in a faith tradition where the clergy or the professional Christians or the priests, they did all of the praying for you. And when you prayed, there was a script that you had to follow. And you're not super comfortable getting off of that. You know, you don't want to go off book. You don't exactly know what the rules are about what you can and can't say. And these are all feelings we have about prayer. And there are even more questions, right? When should I pray? How long do I have to pray for it to count? Is this like a one-minute thing? Three minutes? Half an hour? What are the rules with that? Um, does prayer actually work? Do I have to do it in front of other people? I don't really want to do that. What does it mean to pray without ceasing? How is that possible? And I will tell you the question that I really want the answer to and I keep coming back to is, if this prayer that I offered was answered, why wasn't this one? What did I do differently to get a different result? Or maybe if I'm being more honest, what did I do wrong? What did I do wrong in my prayers that this one was answered and this one wasn't? Well, my understanding as we dive into the topic of prayer in our spiritually practical series today is that no matter where you fall on the faith spectrum, a word that we could all use to describe prayer is struggle. Struggle, the struggle is real when it comes to prayer. You're with me here. You might struggle to pray at all. You might struggle to know the right words to say. Or you might struggle to know the right things to pray for. Can I pray for that? Or maybe you might struggle believing that God will actually answer your prayers. 
I know that I do too. I struggle with all those things. Or maybe for some of you, if you've been walking with Jesus for a while, and you may have heard or possibly even experienced the power of prayer, of God moving in miraculous ways, of curing illnesses, bringing about a new job or a new relationship or family restoration or healing or relational reconciliation, or as each one of us in this room has experienced the Cubs winning the World Series. God moves people. He answers prayer. It's the only way that happened. Prayer is supposed to be this vibrant, this dynamic, this raw power. Why do I struggle with it so much? Why does that picture of prayer feel so different from the one I experience in my own everyday prayers? So what I want to do today is to give some big picture ideas and a few spiritually practical tips so that everyone can walk out of this room or if you're watching online or listening to the podcast and feel a little bit less of that struggle when it comes to prayer and more confidence approaching God in prayer. And in order to do that, I thought we might as well learn from Jesus himself. I'm a simple guy. It makes sense to me. It seems like a pretty natural step. So what I would love for you to do is to grab a Bible from underneath your seat, or if you're up in the balcony, it's probably on an armrest. And I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 6. You can find it on page 787. 787. And while you do that, I want to give you some context for where we are in the story of the Bible. This is Jesus giving the most famous sermon of all time called the Sermon on the Mount. In this long sermon, Jesus touches on a variety of topics like the Beatitudes, loving your enemies, caring for the poor, not worrying about tomorrow, but he also gives us both an idea and a framework for prayer. So let's read all the way through this passage and then we're gonna come back and talk about a few key ideas. Are we ready? We're there, we found it? Great. So, and when you pray... Do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father in heaven, who is unseen. I skipped a verse. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard for their many words." Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. I believe there are a few things that we can learn from what Jesus says here, but a good place to start anytime you are studying a passage of scripture is when something is repeated. Did you guys notice anything that was repeated in there? In verse five, it says, when you pray. In verse six, it says, when you pray. In verse seven, it says, when you pray. Doesn't say if you pray. It says, when you pray. Not if you had a really easy day at work. Not if you can squeeze it in after this week's episode of This Is Us. You're not crying too much. (laughs) Or if the kids go down early and easy. Or if you really need something in your life. Or if you're really hurting. He says, when you pray. When, when, when. 
what we see here from Jesus is that we must simply pray. Again, I'm a simple guy and it's a simple message, but Jesus encourages us to simply pray. This falls into the category of what I like to call Nike theology. Just do it. (laughs) Just do it. Jesus expects for prayer to be a regular part of our lives because prayer is how we connect our hearts with God. Prayer is how we communicate with God. I mean, can you imagine being in a relationship with someone and not talking to them? It's how we grow a dynamic relationship with God. Listen, prayer is how we get to know God rather than just knowing about God. Prayer is how we know God rather than just knowing about God. And prayer is where our relationship with God grows. So we see in the passage, Jesus, he encouraged us to go into a room to close the door and pray to God our Father. In this way, we see that prayer isn't about, you know, checking off a box. Prayer isn't about other people seeing us do it. Prayer is about spending time with our Father in heaven. In fact, prayer is how we practice being present with God. Prayer is how we practice being present with God. If we're truly to be in a relationship with God, we must be willing to be in his presence. And this is actually something that we already know to be true and something that we live out in our own lives because think about the one or two people you're closest with in life. Maybe it is a parent, a sibling, a spouse, a significant other, a best friend, a coworker, whoever it is. When you think about this person, when you think about your relationship, how has it grown? Do you spend time communicating with this person? Do you spend time with this person? Do you spend time in their presence? Of course you do. That's called being a friend. That's what we do when we want to grow a relationship with someone. The ways in which we grow our relationships with the people that we love the most teach us that we have the same opportunity with God our Father. Now, I've been extremely blessed and fortunate to have a wonderful group of friends that I've been friends with for a long time. Looking around the room, there are several of them in here, and we first started hanging out in high school. We started hanging out in high school, started getting breakfast together at 6.30 a.m. before school. Do you know how early that is in high school? That's like 2 a.m. in our time, in adult time. And we have been hanging out all this time and continuing to grow our relationship. We are still friends now. When I think about going to hang out with them, it's not like, oh, gosh, I gotta go hang out with them again? Like, no, I want to be with them. I don't have to worry about what I'm gonna wear. I don't have to worry about what is going to happen because I just want to be with them. It's an opportunity for me to connect with them. And when you think about being in the presence of your closest friends, your go-to people in the world, is that something that you do out of obligation? Would you enjoy someone coming to spend time with you only out of duty? They don't really want to be there, but they know that they should. Is that how we approach prayer with God? Oh, I got like 10 other things to do, but I know that I should do this thing, so let let me knock this out real quick, right? No, absolutely not. When we choose to simply pray, we see that prayer is not about obligation, but prayer is about opportunity. It's not obligation, it is about opportunity. Opportunity to be in the presence of God. Prayer is about you and God. It's about enjoying being in God's presence and God enjoying being in your presence. 
Because being in the presence of God, it satisfies our spiritual hunger, it refreshes our soul. Prayer is the breath that fills our soul's lungs. We also see we don't have to have it all together to simply pray either. We don't have to have 100% pure motives because we're always a mixture of selfishness and selflessness, of caring and cruel, of loving and loathing. If we are waiting to pray until we have pure enough motives, or if we're good enough, or if we know enough, we'll never do it. We'll never do it. We must set these aside to simply pray. So that's the first step that we wanna take is to simply pray. Maybe you didn't need any convincing of that idea. Maybe you already know the importance of prayer, how important it is to practice being the presence of God. Or maybe I'm a really good salesman and I convince you of that right now. Who knows, we'll see. But when it comes to prayer, we must choose to simply pray and to pray simply. In our passage this morning, we hear Jesus tell us to go into our rooms and to be alone with the Lord, to have a time of intimate connection. What we also see is in verse seven, he says this, and when you pray, do not keep babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. So when it comes to prayer, Jesus tells us that we don't need to use grandiose words. We don't need to use extreme run-on sentences about the wonders and majesty of the most high and holy God. We don't need to use thee and thou and thy or say just or father like a million times. We don't need to hit some magical time limit. But instead, he calls us to pray simply. In fact, I know for many of you, you grew up reciting the Lord's Prayer which we've already read this morning in our passage. Did you know that the Lord's Prayer, which is like the gold standard when it comes to prayer, said by Jesus himself as he taught us to pray, is only 53 words? The Lord's Prayer is only 53 words. I counted like 10 times to make sure I got that number right because I know you're all gonna count right now. But the Lord's Prayer, it is only 53 words. What we see here is that the Lord's Prayer is not merely something for us to repeat. Well, that is one way to pray and to connect with God. But instead, we see a framework for how we can pray simply to God. Pete Gregg is a pastor in the UK, and he started a worldwide movement called 24-7 Prayer. I encourage you to check out the work he has done on prayer. And he wrote a book called God on Mute. And in this book, he puts this idea really eloquently. He says, we tend to assume that there is a necessary depth of spirituality to which we must aspire. A technique we are somehow lacking or a key mystical revelation that, revelation that will unlock the miracles we require. But Jesus consistently taught his followers that the key to powerful praying was to simply understand that the one to whom they were praying was their Father in heaven. Jesus consistently taught his followers that the key to powerful praying was to simply understand that the one to whom they were praying was their Father in heaven. When we understand that we are praying to our Father in heaven who loves to give us good gifts because we are his children, takes the pressure off of us. It's not about coming up with the right words. It's, it's about praying simply to the one who wants to demonstrate his love for us. 
Now, there are a variety of different translations of the Bible, and one translation that aims at capturing the message of the Bible in a simple way is, in fact, called the message. And that translation articulates the Lord Prayer in this simple way. It says, Our Father in heaven, reveal who you are. Set the world right. Do what's best as above, so below. Keep us alive with three square meals. Keep us forgiven with you and forgiving others. Keep us safe from ourselves and the devil. You're in charge. You can do anything you want. You're a blaze in beauty. Yes, yes, yes. What we see here is it doesn't have to be hallowed be your names in forgiving of debtors, which, again, are great things, but it can be simple language, simple language that we already use, simple language that you already use. It can be your own words. The part I really love about that is three square meals. Gotta eat, man. (laughs) Gotta eat three square meals every day. In the fancy version, we call that our daily bread, but it's a simple prayer for enough food each day. That's it. Shows that praying for the little things, the simple things, is just as important as praying for the big things. It's a great reminder for us. Maybe, maybe in the last week you prayed that uh, those boys in the cave in Thailand would make it out safely. Yes, amen. Maybe you prayed in the last week that God would bring your family enough food each day. Yes, amen. Maybe you prayed that God would bring you a new job or a new relationship. Yes, amen. Maybe last week you prayed that the, the fuse on that firework you just lit would not be shorter than you thought it was. Yes, amen, that's a great prayer to say. That's a wise prayer. What I'm trying to say is, you're better at praying than you think. You're better at praying than you think. You're already on holy ground, you just may not realize it yet. You're already on holy ground, you just don't know it yet. There aren't magical words to say, there aren't buzzwords that need to be a part of it. There's not some secret chant, because who you are praying to matters more than what you are praying for. Who you are praying to matters way more than what you're praying for. That is absolute truth. That's gold right there, people. But this is our spiritually practical series, and so we've been giving out different spiritual life hacks along the way, and I will give you one brief prayer hack that I think will help you in your relationship with God. It's a simple way to practice prayer and ultimately practice being in the presence of God. I mentioned that I do a lot of work with small groups around here, but one other area that is one of the favorite parts of my job is I help lead an environment called Alpha. My Alpha people right here, yeah, got a whole crew. Yes, Um, Alpha is an environment designed for people who wanna ask questions about faith, or maybe they've never been a part of a church, never had faith at all, wanna come explore it, or they've been away for a long time and, and want a gentle way to get back into it. As you can imagine, at a place that invites questions, there are a lot of questions about prayer at Alpha. And so at Alpha, we use the Lord's Prayer as an example. Uh, we have a helpful model of prayer that's called thanks, sorry, please. Thanks, sorry, please, that's it, it's super simple. We, we all can remember that. Those are some of the first words that we all learn as a kid, right? If you're a parent in here, are those the words that you're teaching your little kid to say thank you, to say sorry, to say please? We can all remember that. So as we think about being practical with prayer, we can choose to simply pray. We can choose to pray simply. As we do these things 
and prayer becomes more and more a part of our life, we can incorporate this thanks, sorry, please prayer. To begin, what you do is you thank God for who he is and what he has done. This can be both big picture in the world as well as in your own life. It could be your family, it could be your job, it could be for Jesus, it could be for Bertillo's chocolate cake, whatever you're thankful and grateful for. Next, you say sorry for the ways in which you've messed up or you've made mistakes. It could be in a relationship. That could be how you treated an employee at work, maybe how you didn't keep a promise that you made to God. Finally, you get to say please for the ways in which you want God to move in your life, to move in the world, that he would bring healing to a family member, that he would bring something new to your life, a new relationship. That is a great and easy way to simply pray, thanks, sorry, please. And the question then becomes, as we think about some of the questions we asked before, when we take the steps of simply praying and praying simply, does it help us reconcile that difference we talked about earlier with that incredible possibility and power that comes with prayer as a compo- compared to our present struggle of prayer, it's our prayer life being characterized by struggle? And as I was praying about this message and what God wanted to say through me about prayer, God kept bringing this mental image of a dam to mind, D-A-M. And this, you got it now, right, yes, thank you. Put your hands up next time. All right, so that is how many of us think about prayer, particularly if you've been following Jesus for a while. Prayer, it has this massive, this potential power. It's this water, but it's stuck and contained by the dams that we create. We only let out small portions of it in very controlled manners. Maybe before a meal, maybe before bed, or at church, or at small group. But how much power are we missing out on when we only view prayer in this way and we don't unleash it in our everyday lives? Yes, we want to simply pray. We want to pray simply. But as this becomes more and more a part of your life, it causes a shift in you. The Apostle Paul, he articulates this idea in 1 Thessalonians, encouraging the people to rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and give thanks in all circumstances, for that is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. That when we The more that we simply pray, the more that we pray simply, we begin to pray without ceasing. Simple prayers lead to prayers without ceasing. We take down the walls that we have created that hold back prayer and we unleash its power in our everyday lives. Now, I I get it. I'm a simple guy, straightforward guy. It sounds unrealistic, right? Maybe you have a picture in your mind, you know, at Soul City, we like to take a posture of prayer like this of people like with their eyes closed, like walking around, like bumping into people. Oh, sorry, just praying, don't mind me here. Just praying, oh, I'll pray for you too, I just hit you. No, okay, I don't think that's exactly what Paul meant uh, in this passage here talking about that. Or that we aren't supposed to set aside specific times for prayer and communication with God. What Paul is saying here, that as Christians, prayer is not something that we do, but prayer is a way of life. So yes, we want to think about the saying of prayers. Yes, we want to do that. But if we are truly to mind the depths of what God has for us in and through prayer, it is about the becoming of prayers. 
To pray without ceasing is to live in a world where everything that you see and experience is a kind of prayer. It's an opportunity to live in deep awareness of the way in which God is working in the world. Praying without ceasing means we are in intimate connection with God, in intimate communication with God at all times. It means we're tuned in with what he's doing in the world. Practically, it means you're walking down the street and you see a father with his son in a stroll and you pray that God would make their relationship strong and loving. It means you have a great conversation with your boss at work and you pray that God would continue to work in his or her life. It means that you see something beautiful in nature, clearly not in Chicago, but like another place, imagine it. You see something beautiful in nature and you thank God for that beautiful piece of creation. It means that you lose someone you love and you cry out to God as your helper and your savior. All of your life becomes an opportunity to connect with God your Father. But the great thing is, in case that feels a little bit intimidating to you, is you don't have to do it alone. As we learned in our Forgotten God series a few months ago, that if you believe in Jesus, you have a helper in the Holy Spirit who lives inside you. Romans 8.26 says this, in the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. We see that it's not all about us, or even up to us, but it is the Holy Spirit working in us and through us, and sometimes even on behalf of us, when we don't have the strength on our own or the words to say, in order that our very lives would become prayers and offerings to our loving Father in heaven. Because I know this, if it was up to me, I would fail at this. If it was by my power, I would fail at making prayer an everyday part of my life and not struggle with that. I've had to deal with this reality the last few weeks because my very sweet Uncle John, who I am incredibly close with, I have been praying months and months for him since he was diagnosed with lung cancer in January. I have been praying that God would heal his body, that he would restore his body because I know that God can do it. I believe that God can do it. I've seen and experienced God do it before. But a little over a week ago, my Uncle John passed away. And that is really hard. How do I balance that? Why wasn't that prayer answered? I don't know. And in the midst of that, I found that it was really hard for me to pray. But you know what? The Holy Spirit knew what to pray for me. The Holy Spirit knew how to intercede for me, how to do that for me, because I didn't have the words to say or the words to pray. Listen, guys, I don't have all the answers about prayer. Jeannie lied to you about that. I'm not going to answer all of your questions that you have about prayer. I wish I could tell you a spiritual life hack to give you the secret to God answering each one of your prayers. As simple as we want to make prayer for you, there is still some mystery that comes along with it. There's not some formula that would be dishonest to the reality that you and I both experience. But the problem for us is that so many of us look at prayer as a zero-sum game. Either we get what we asked for or we didn't. But when we look at it that way, we're missing out on so much that God has for us. 
Because what I do know is this. When we pray, it brings us into the presence of God and we begin to understand him as a father who loves us. The more we're with him, the more we look like him and act like him and love like him. And maybe that is the, sh- the simple truth and shift behind prayer. The more it becomes a part of our lives, that prayer is not about how we get things for ourselves, but prayer is about how we get to know God himself. It's not about how we get things for ourselves, but how we get to know God himself. And so I think that our community here would experience a complete shift in how you view prayer if we were willing to do that. And so our homework this week is to to give that a start, to begin to shift how you think about prayer. We want you to carve out five minutes of every day. It can be first thing when you wake up, I don't know your schedule, whatever is best and easiest for you, to take five minutes and practice being in the presence of God, to use our thanks, sorry, please prayer, to use thanks, sorry, please, and let the Holy Spirit fill in the rest. It's as simple as it gets, but I think it might change how you look at your day. Can you imagine what might shift if you're willing to take this opportunity to be in the presence of God? I believe that if you do, you'll not only experience a profound change in your prayers, but you'll experience a change in your relationship with God and your understanding of Him as a loving Father who wants to demonstrate His love for each and every one of you. Would you stand and pray with me? I'm going to model our thanks, sorry, please, for us together today. Lord, we thank you for the gift of prayer. We thank you that you have given us a way to communicate and to connect and to be in your presence, God. And Lord, we say sorry for the ways we've made it more complicated than it has to be. We say sorry for the ways we've seen it as an obligation And we say sorry for the ways in which we've turned our back on prayer. And God, we ask, please, that you would move in our hearts, that you would move inside of us to create a desire and a commitment to connecting with you, to simply praying and praying simply to be in your presence and understand you, God. We love you, Jesus, and we trust you. Amen.